The scripture from which the sermon is based this morning comes from Luke 14. And it goes like this. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you instead, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, you may invite, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you now, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. So to understand this passage from Luke, it's helpful to notice that the words of Christ here are identified. The end of verse 7, these words are identified as a parable. So um, Jesus here, he's not, he's not giving us a lesson in table manners. He's not, um, he's not giving us pointers on how to get the best seat at a wedding reception. He's not giving us commands. So yes, it's true. Jesus said, do not invite your relatives to dinner. It's right there in the Bible, right? But it's okay if you want to have your cousin over for Thanksgiving. You're not sinning. Why? Because this is not a command. This is a parable. Now, what, what is a parable? Many of you probably know that the, the primary way that Jesus would teach people was through the use of parables. And a parable was when Christ would take either an image or a metaphor or sometimes a very short story that came from ordinary life, just day-to-day life. He would take a word picture like that and then use that to uh, communicate a spiritual truth. So you might remember there's a time when Jesus talked about flowers and birds. Remember why? To teach us not to worry. He said, your father feeds the birds, he's going to feed you. There's another place where he he talked about a bunch of fishermen cleaning out their nets, and he said, this is to teach you about Judgment Day. There's one short story Jesus told. He told a story about a shepherd going out to look for a lost sheep to teach us how much God loves sinners. So this was just the way that he would would teach with parables. He would take an image, a metaphor from everyday life, and then use that to teach an eternal truth. Well, in the In the parable today, the word picture, the metaphor Christ uses, is that of a dinner party. First, first he describes a dinner party where you are a guest, 
Then he describes a dinner party where you are the host. And with, with each description, he's making the same point. He's teaching, us, he's teaching us two things. He's teaching us how he calls us to live, how we should live, and he's teaching why we should live that way. So how and why. So how, how, how does Jesus want us to live? Well, in our culture, we are, we are often encouraged to, um, to devote a lot of attention to ourselves. We just hear talk all the time of self-fulfillment, self-expression, self-improvement, self-acceptance, self-awareness, self-image, self-respect, self-identity, self-care, self-worth. We just, this is the way we talk in our culture. We're, we're, we, are, we're, we are taught to emphasize the self. I did a, a Google search the other day. I entered the words, how to put yourself First, and you will not be surprised to learn that Google came up with 3,680,000,000 results to that. Uh, among those results was a link to a YouTube video, a young woman's uh, video blog, and her, this, her video was, it, the title was, I put myself first for a whole year, and this is what happened. And then for 20 minutes, staring into the camera, she just explained these incredible benefits that came to her life from putting herself first. She said, I learned to say no, I gained confidence, I got a positive mindset, I became very brave, my stress level went down, and I met my soulmate. <laughs> and this is just what is, is communicated to us in, in, in modern Western culture to thrive as a human being. To have, to have a life that, that is meaningful, you have to pay attention to yourself. Well, what's surprising here is that what Jesus is calling us to do is basically the exact opposite of that. He's, he's calling us to live in what for us will be a radically countercultural way. He's He's calling his followers to, to put the needs and the concerns and the well-being and the dignity and the joy of other people ahead of our own. So in, in the parable, he says, if you're at a, a wedding reception and it's open seating, you can choose whatever seat you want. He said, give the best seat to someone else. And then, and then he says, if you're throwing a party and you could invite all kinds of people to the party, invite people who will never be able to pay you back. So what's he saying? He's saying, live selflessly, live generously, just live your life for others. I, want, I wonder what it would look like for you to kind of flesh out what would that mean? What would that be like for you to live that way at home with your family? or to live that way in your workplace, constantly concerned about others? What would it look like in our church if we all just, we, we put the needs and the preferences, concerns of others in the congregation ahead of our own? Or as a church, to, to live as a church, putting the needs of our neighbors ahead of ourselves? That's, that's essentially what Christ is calling His followers to do. And would you agree with me that that's not easy? It's not easy at all. 
Philippians uh, 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Now, I, I hear those words. They sound very beautiful to me, but let me be honest. When I hear that, something inside me says, Wait a minute. If I, if, I, if I do that, if I look out for the interests of others rather than my own, who's going to look out for me? Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24, it says this, No one should seek their own good but the good of others. I hear that, and again, something inside me says, Don't seek my own good? Are you crazy? If I don't seek my own good, who will? Another verse like that, Romans 15, 2 says, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And again, something inside says, yes, that sounds true, but oh my, please my neighbor for their good. What did my neighbor ever do for me, right? So this is not easy. I think if, you, if we really think of this parable, we might list this as among the hardest teachings Christ gives us. But he's clear. He says, I'm calling you to live selflessly, live a, a, a generous, large-hearted life, live a life where you're constantly putting others ahead of yourself. To, to use the thought pattern of the, metaf of, of the parable, he's just saying, hey, take the worst seat. Give the best seat to someone else. Now, if, if this is so countercultural and if it's not easy to do, why does Jesus call us to do this? That's my second point. Why, why should we live this way? Well, you'll notice Jesus does not say you should, you should put others first because this will give you inner peace, this will give you emotional balance, you'll, you'll have a great family, you'll be healthy, wealthy, prosperous. He, he, doesn't make, he really doesn't make any promises about benefits in this lifetime. He says, he says, if you humble yourself and you serve others, end of verse 14, he says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, meaning God will repay you in eternity. Isn't that kind of weird? How, how much time did you spend thinking about eternity this last week? It's easy for me to go through a, a whole week and not give much thought to that. And, but here's what's strange. You read the four Gospels. You read the words of, of Christ. You will get the impression that Jesus was a man who just went through life everywhere he, everywhere he went with eternity on his mind all the time, always. He's always talking about the age to come. It, Jesus, Jesus talked about heaven and hell as realities real places where real people really go. He described eternal life as the best gift anyone could ever receive. Jesus portrayed heaven as so wonderful and hell as so horrible. He said, listen, it's worth chopping off your hand, plucking out your eye, taking up your cross, selling everything you own. He says, it's worth laying down your life to make, to make sure you end up in the one place and not in the other. So in, in this parable, um, Basically, the first part, he says, imagine you go, to a, you're, you go to a wedding and you walk into the banquet and it's open seating. You can sit wherever you want. You can choose whatever seat you want. You can push people out of the way and take the very best seat for yourself. 
or you can defer to others and, and let others have the best seat. He said, it's your choice, but in the parable, whichever seat you choose, it's only yours temporarily. I mean, pretty soon the host is going to come and assign you the place where you will, you will sit for the duration of the party. You might have that seat for, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, then the host comes along and says, oh, I'm sorry, but the, the wife's aunt is here. She needs to sit here. You're going to sit over there, or the host might move you to a better. But whatever seat you choose in, in the parable, it's only yours for a little bit of time. You, you can, so basically, you can have, for 10 minutes, you can have a good seat and then to spend the rest of the party in a bad seat. Or for 10 minutes, you can have a bad seat and spend the rest of the party in a good seat. And it's not hard to, to decipher what he's saying here. He's, he's, he's saying how you live now in this very short temporary life affects eternity. He, he says, starting at verse 12, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. You'll be blessed, although they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, there's, there's something in, I, I think, uh, especially modern American Christians, that kind of bothers us. It doesn't sound very spiritual. Right? That doesn't sound very noble to be motivated merely because you want an eternal reward. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be nice to have something loftier? You know, serve people out of gratitude for the cross or passion for God's glory or just a love for humankind. Here's what's so strange. Jesus doesn't seem to be embarrassed by this kind of motivation at all. In fact, the primary way he would motivate us to acts of obedience and sacrifice, the primary way he would talk about either the fear of future punishment or the promise of future reward, it, it, that didn't bother him. And it just makes me wonder, you ever wonder, what did Jesus know that we don't? What did he know about what lies beyond this short life that we can't see yet? John, John chapter 3 says this. It's, it's talking about Jesus. It says, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who's from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. That's us. All we ever talk about is the earth because that's all we know. But it, it says, the one who comes down from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. Do you ever wonder, what did Jesus see? What did Jesus hear before he took on flesh and came here? It just motivated him to talk all the time, warning us about eternity. He, he always talked about this. And he didn't, didn't just talk this way. He lived this way. This is what I, I think I find most heartwarming about, about this parable is just to realize everything Jesus calls us to do in this parable, it's exactly what he did for us. So Jesus says, hey, give up the best seat so someone else can have it. Did it listen, isn't that what he did for us? I mean, he gave up. When he took on our flesh and came into this world, he gave up the best seat in the universe, the throne of heaven itself. Why? Believer, so you could sit there so he could share it with you. That's what he says in, in Revelation. You will sit on my throne with me. 
He, he, he said in this parable, when you, when you give a banquet, you give a dinner, invite people who can never pay you back. Listen, do you know that Jesus invited you to his banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and you can never repay him for that? He's not expecting you to repay him. The whole price of the entire feast has been already been paid on the cross entirely, paid in full. You, you can't repay Jesus for his feast and he doesn't want you to. He's invited you anyway, right? And, and uh, that's, uh, that's what this table reminds us of every Sunday, doesn't it? Just reminds us that you are, you are invited to a meal you don't have to pay for. It's already been paid by the blood of your Savior on the cross. So when Jesus, uh, when Jesus says to you, I want you to take the lowest seat. I want you to serve others. I want you to love others. I want you to put others ahead of yourself. Listen, please don't hear this as some kind of harsh, demanding punishment imposed upon you. When Jesus, when Jesus says, I want you to take the lowest seat, he's basically saying, I, I want you to sit next to me. I love you. I want you. He's saying, listen, I took the lowest seat. You take the lowest seat. You'll be right by my side. And he's saying, I was exalted. Just wait. Just watch. You will be exalted too. You'll be right by my side. So this is not really a harsh command. This is a loving invitation. And Jesus is saying, you know, come on. I love you. Sit next to me. When, when you, well, listen, when we sit among the lowly in this short life, we are sitting where Jesus sat. And in the life to come, we will sit by his side exalted. He said this. He said, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself with Christ will be exalted with Christ. So believer, you know what this is Jesus saying? I want you to choose the seat that's next to me. I want you sitting with me, with the lowly now in glory forever. He says, I love you. Please come sit with me. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, this, for me, this passage is not hard to understand, but it is so hard to do. And we ask for grace from the Holy Spirit, not merely to be hearers of the Word, but doers of it. Would you, would you implant within us such a joyful anticipation of the banquet to which we are invited that we will gladly do whatever Jesus calls us to do as He takes us there? And for, for anyone who's not yet heard that invitation from Christ to his banquet, would today be the day they just hear him saying, eternity is, eternity is so long, I want you with me, that they would respond with faith. And for all of us, show us, show us what it means, show us what it means to live this teaching out with the people who are in our life today. In Christ's name, amen.